It is really good to see you today. Your smiling faces and anticipation. Because today is the second in our The Story of Reality Christmas series. And the second week is Christmas Anticipated. And the theme for today is all about waiting. Okay, all about waiting. And for some of you, uh, it's going to test you a little bit because you you're, want to open the Word of God right away and jump right in, and I'm going to make you wait and kind of set the stage to talk about us first and how we sometimes have a hard time waiting. Remember when you were a kid and it was tough to wait for Christmas? You know, it was like all the hours just slowly moved by. You couldn't wait. Well, I was that kind of kid too. And it started long before, uh, you know, the day that you were going to open gifts. For us, we opened on Christmas Eve. And so Christmas Eve was like the longest day ever. And that's part of our, our deal. But a week prior to one year in my Christmas experience as a kid, Boy, the agony of waiting got to me. You see, I had asked for a pogo stick. I couldn't wait to get a pogo stick. So much so that I was dying to know if I'd get a pogo stick. Have any of you done this as a kid where you start looking for your gift before Christmas? Aha, I did that and found it. I found it in the master bedroom closet. <laughs> hoo, 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 one problem. It was wrapped. But, you know, how do you wrap a pogo stick? I was pretty sure this wrapped present was mine. New dilemma. When you cross a line and you, you know, I had already crossed a line looking for my gifts in advance. When you cross one line, isn't it so true there's always another line? <laughs> And that next line is going to challenge you even more than that first line. And so I had this dilemma. Was I going to open it and look more? Or was I going to pull back? Let's see. Weigh the consequences. If I open it, I bet you anything. I will not get this pogo stick. They will be so mad. And they will return it. If I don't open it, at least I know I get a pogo stick. So smart me, I did not open it. You were thinking I opened it. Uh, it was a strong temptation, but I did not open it. Backed off from there and just was overjoyed for a long while that I was going to get a pogo stick. You know what? There's a moral to this story. And it isn't just waiting is difficult for adults too, which by the way it is, the moral of the story is this. Don't hide your Christmas gifts in a master bedroom closet. <laughs> Come on. Find a better place, right? Don't tempt your kids. No, there's actually a different moral to the story. The moral to the story is this. Every one of us has pinned our hopes on a pogo stick. We finally get it. We think this is going to be the happiness that I've been looking for. And you know what it produces? Up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down, fall. Up and down, up and down, up and down, fall. 
just like everything we pin our hopes on that isn't the right hope for our lasting happiness. Up and down, up and down, fall. And then we want some other pogo stick, right? That's the moral of the story, but there's more. We as adults, (laughs) we have even more difficulty waiting than kids, because we can. And we have the resources to go early and to go after and to pursue and to get a hold of our pogo stick, whatever that is. And then up and down, up and down. This is like up and then down. I want another pogo stick, right? And then we pursue something else, bigger, better, more lasting happiness. It gets even more than that because during our waiting, if we have to wait, we can do nothing about it as adults. Ooh, ooh, ooh. We start really testing God, pressing things, getting ahead of God. And as an adult, I wished I would learn all my lessons as a kid. But as an adult, there's huge lessons. I'll just, I don't have time to go into it, but I remember one nine-month, nine-year, nine-month-long test that we as a church went through, but I in particular as a church leader went through, in transitioning out of an old facility that was too small to house us, it took nine years and nine months before we transitioned into a new facility that would permanently house us. And if 500 plus Sundays of setting up and taking down, setting up and taking down wasn't hard enough, that was actually the easiest part due to the fact that so many of you were graciously volunteering in all of that. The harder part was what you could not volunteer for as a leadership weight pressed on me. What do we do from here? How long do we wait? Should we pull the trigger? Should we just get alone? Should we just jump into it? Should we just build? And that long, long wait was very trying. It's so hard to wait. How about you as an adult? Is it hard for you to wait? Let me just suggest a few things. Maybe you're praying that God would heal you, and he hasn't answered it fast enough. Maybe you prayed that he would bring Somebody you love to Christ and hasn't happened. It's been a lot of praying. Maybe you've been praying that he would give you a job, that perfect job with the benefits that you could provide for your family, all these good things you know he wants for you, but it's not happening the way you want it to happen. And maybe you've prayed that he would take away your propensity toward anxiety, that he would take away your propensity towards depression, And it's just not happening. And it's just so hard. Maybe you've been praying that God would save your marriage. And it's just hard. Maybe you've been praying that God would bless you with a baby. And you're waiting. And waiting. Maybe you're praying that God would bless you with a spouse. And you're waiting and waiting. 
And you've asked questions like, where are you, God? And you all know, like I know, that waiting is very, very hard. Today we're going to focus on the most difficult period of waiting to date in history for the people of God. Now, last week we looked at the promises, the predictions, the prophecies that began from the beginning. So we started at the beginning, then we went through the millenniums, then we started counting down from the centuries. All these promises, predictions, and prophecies about the coming of the Savior that's going to finally arrive and make things right for us. And after the prophecies, there's centuries of waiting. Even after the last prophecy, there was 400 years of silence. Did you know that? 400 years of silence from all the prophets between the time that the Old Testament closes in its written literature and then the New Testament opens in its written literature. There is no prophet of God speaking about the timing and the coming. So for 400 years, there's waiting. And did you know that this wasn't the first time there was 400 years of waiting? The first time there was 400 years of waiting was after the promise to Abraham that a great nation would be made from his family, and then their tribe grows and grows and grows, and then they're enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. And there's waiting and silence before Moses arrives. And so isn't it interesting that at the tail end of the Old Testament, the tail end of the Old Covenant, it parallels the beginning of the Old Covenant in the Mosaic Covenant, that there's 400 years of silence before the coming of the Christ. Interesting. Uh, in anticipation, later on, we're getting to the story of reality Jesus. This is the story of reality Jesus too, but it's the story of reality Christmas. Beginning of the year, we're going to get to the story of reality Jesus, and then we're going to get to the story of reality finale. And as we get to the story of reality finale, there's waiting again. There's same pattern again. The same difficulty again. And it's so hard for us because we read about Jesus and we pray and miracle, blam! And we see Jesus pray and there's a miracle, blam! And then what do we do when we're waiting and waiting and waiting? We want miracles now and there's no miracles. (laughs) This is a really important subject for us as it relates to the difficulty of waiting. But we need to know When we're going through a difficulty of waiting, we are not alone. It's all through the scriptures. And so that's the focus for today. So all of this waiting is a little bit more challenging than a pogo stick waiting, right? Far more challenging. And here we are as adults, and we have not mastered this yet, but we have some tools And that's what we're talking about today. Why does God make us wait? Why does God make us wait? 
Now, before we get into the answer of that, let's talk about there's one particular kind of waiting that makes us stronger. There's one particular kind of waiting that makes us stronger. And so now we're finally ready to open up what God has to say about waiting. And we're going to start with Psalm 27, verse 14. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and take heart, and wait for the Lord. Now, here's something we need to know, that this kind of waiting is not passive. We generally think of waiting as passive, and we hate it. There's nothing we can do. All we can do is wait. But no, there is a response in waiting that is active that God is looking for. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. It's an active being strong while you're waiting. Wait for the Lord. This kind of waiting is active. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and take heart. We take heart when we look to the Lord and actively trust him. And he will then give us strength and courage in the waiting. But we have to be actively looking to the Lord and taking heart in him. Wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart, and wait for the Lord. This kind of waiting for the Lord is what makes us stronger. Now, there is something we can learn in particular about waiting in the Christmas story itself. And so we're going to jump into the Christmas story itself and learn something in particular about waiting. Point number one, while you are waiting... God is working. While you are waiting, God is working. Let's open to Matthew 1. We'll start at verse 20. It's a familiar passage to many of us. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, now what is it that Joseph had been considering? He had learned that Mary's pregnant. He was considering a divorce from his betrothal. We don't even think like the Jews, okay? They're not officially married, but they're officially betrothed. It's just as strong of a commitment as marriage. So you divorce a betrothed. And he was considering this, but as he's considering this, the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Boy, the gospel is right there in the dream. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, if you were here last week, this is, you'll remember, this was one of the signs that was given. And a, behold, a sign will be given. A virgin shall conceive. But it's interesting, this isn't stating that portion of Isaiah 7:14. This is a sign that is given. It just states the result. It's here. But let's remember that this is just the sign now that a virgin has conceived. This is interesting to me because even now there's going to be waiting. And waiting. 
and waiting before they sense that deliverance has occurred. There's overjoyed response. Woohoo, there's a pogo stick in the closet. Right? But haven't been able to jump on it yet, haven't been able to see the joy of it yet, is still waiting, more waiting to come. And now, let's just talk about this. Isaiah was 700 years beforehand, 700 years of waiting. The last 400 years was the hardest part because now the prophets have stopped speaking. They had all these prophecies from beforehand, 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 over and over and over and over. 300 plus prophecies all about the coming of Christ, okay? And now there's nothing. And it's one of the most difficult periods of waiting for the people of God. That's hard for us to resonate with, but while you're waiting, it's really helpful for us to resonate with, all right? Because while you were waiting, God is working. So why does God make us wait so long sometimes? Now, it's interesting, even in this Christmas story, it's like not fair. All right, so God sends the, an angel of the Lord to tell Mary in advance that she's going to conceive without a man in the picture. Woo, and it happens. Whoa, that's the weirdest thing ever. And she's given advance warning. Joseph isn't given any advanced warning. He's dealing with, whoa, that's really bad. And he has to deal with this. Why couldn't God have given him the advance warning too? This isn't fair. But God isn't working on fair. He's working on each individual exactly what they need. Really important for us to remember. And God is more interested in Joseph's strengthening than he is interested in Joseph's comfort. Take that pill and swallow it. I, no, I, 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 I want comfort. I don't want this hard thing that makes me stronger. American way of life, American way of faith, we want it now, right? And no, Joseph has to go through this very difficult time frame, and here's what the sweet spot is. God knows Joseph so well. He gives Joseph precisely what he needs to strengthen him without telling him, and he has to decide to trust God and let go of his reputation, which is something he had to go through, even to divorce her quietly. What will all the people say? Rather than condemn her, he has to go through all of that stuff in his head. He's going to, I don't care about my reputation. I don't care about my righteousness. I've built my whole life on this foundation of righteousness and it's all gone for me now, but I don't want to pin it on her so that I can survive all of this. So he's strengthening his faith through this whole process and that's really, really critically important because he's got to carry that the rest of his life to be the guy that mentors the Son of God as the earthly father. And God then, after Joseph is strengthened through the testing, is able to strengthen him further and give him what he needs. So remember this on the screen. 
When God is silent, it doesn't mean he is absent. When God is silent, it doesn't mean that he is absent. While you are waiting, God is working. It may be behind the scenes. It may be a mystery to you. You may not be able to see it or imagine it. But while you are waiting, God is working. It was true during the nine years and nine months and how we eventually got into this building, way larger footprint than we ever could ask for or imagine, way better deal than we could ever ask for or imagine. We are in this facility debt-free. Hoo-ha! Yeah, I'm glad you're so excited with me. We are in this facility debt-free with... Thank you, thank you. With more space, and I'm still post-pandemic waiting. My hopes are not pinned on this building as a pogo stick. It's up and down, up and down. My hope and strength is in the Lord while I wait. Right? Galatians 4, 5 through, 4 through 5, we, I said we were going to revisit this. We looked at this last week. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Now, I also mentioned last week that this is a verse that's like history itself, the story itself has, is pregnant with promise, with prediction, with prophecy, and now the time has fully come for history itself to produce the Savior. Because while there was 400 years of waiting... God was working. How? How was God working behind those scenes? The fullness of time was finally here. He was working behind the scenes. What is it that happened during those 400 silent years? Well, one thing that happened was, already up to this point, Israel had already had it predicted to them, if they forsake God, there's going to be exile. That has been fulfilled. They've been exiled for a long while. They've gone through the Persian, the Syrians, the, the Babylonians, and now in this 400-year period of, of dominance from the nations over them, Alexander the Great conquers the world. It sounds like God isn't working, but God is working because Alexander the Great united the world, the Western world, the whole Western world in one language. It was the most united that the world had ever become since the Tower of Babel. And the one language was going to be Greek. So the Jewish people that are dispersed throughout the entire region are now Hellenized, which means they're becoming Greek-speaking people, which is really interesting. Only the very, very religious were able to hang on to their Hebrew. So the Hebrew Bible was translated into Greek because the common people could read it. Not just God people, anyone. God was working behind the scenes. And now this language set the stage for the gospel to go out to the whole world. Because the New Testament did not come in Hebrew, it came in Greek. And Alexander the Great set the stage for that. Now interestingly, in that same 400 year period of time, the Romans conquered the Greeks. And so there was all these conquering and conquering and conquering and war and war and war. But then with the Romans, there was this long period of peace. In this long period of peace, what did the Romans do? They created huge 
infrastructure. They created these main highways of roads of commerce and all of the lanes of commerce in this period of peace that united the world now with these lanes of commerce. Behind the scenes, God was working. Now, up to this point, God was working in another way. Through the exile, the Jewish people had been dispersed throughout all of these regions. Even after the second temple was rebuilt, only a, a few came back to Jerusalem. There was a development in the 400 years called the synagogue. There was no synagogues before this. All these gatherings of Jews throughout all of these regions in the global West had synagogues everywhere where Jews would gather on a weekly basis to honor their God, which is critically important to what the stage God was setting. This general dispersion led to a very hard and difficult, formal, forced dispersion called the diaspora when the Romans forced Jews after conquering Judaism, destroying their temple, as Jesus predicted, by the way, destroying their center of old covenant faith, forcing Jews to now go everywhere. This is after the resurrection of Jesus. And now the gospel is going Blam! Even though Jesus says go into all the world, everybody's still staying because it's more comfortable. Some began to scatter during the persecution. Everybody scattered after the destruction of Jerusalem and the forced diaspora. Perfect timing behind the scenes for the Jesus movement to explode across the globe after Jesus' resurrection. This movement is like no other movement in history. It's firmly documented what happened that the entire globe shifted into a Jesus-centered movement that changed Rome, where the Rome, Rome was saying, we gotta do something. They're turning our world upside down. That's a literal quote from, I mean, it's not word for word, but it's a literal quote from the book of Acts that we read about. Now, this is not all coincidental. This is God working behind the scenes while they were waiting. God is going to work behind the scenes again while we are waiting. You got to wait for that series to tell you about that in the later 2023. Point number two. God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. So when we are silent, it does not mean he's absent. While you are waiting, God is working. God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. Let's take a look at Isaiah 64, 4. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those, how does it finish? Who wait on, wait for him. So if you want to see God act, we've got to get a little bit better at this waiting for the Lord business. Waiting on the Lord. Waiting before the Lord. Waiting in prayer. Waiting with anticipation. Waiting with faith. We've got to get a little bit better at this. 
Now, if you are waiting, you're not alone. We've been trained in the scriptures this whole time. God gave promises to Abraham, but Abraham and Sarah had to wait 25 years to hold their baby Isaac. And they were already too old for babies when they were given the promise. Can you imagine waiting in faith under their circumstances? God gave Joseph a dream. This is not Joseph, the earthly uh, adoptive parent of Jesus. Now we're talking Joseph of Genesis 37 through 50. God gave Joseph a dream. Isn't it interesting? God gave both Josephs a dream. The first dream was a little different. The first dream to the first Joseph was, you're going to, I know that it's real hard with all your brothers. I know they keep kind of smashing your hopes. And he has this dream. They're all, including his father and mother, all going to bow down to him. Thirteen years later, after he's thrown in prison, after he's almost killed by his brothers, after he's living most of it in prison, thirteen years later, this dream comes completely true to save his whole family and set everything up for God's promise in the future. Thirteen years of awful waiting for Joseph. God promised the promised land to the people of Abraham, 400 awful years of waiting, enslavement to Egypt. And God has promised us that the Messiah Christ is returning and we're going to experience waiting. And if you read the book of Revelation, it's not pleasant. Okay? There's going to be tough waiting for those ahead. But just think about 400 years. Every, there's generation after generation, life after life, and if it's silent years, you live your whole life without new revelation, you have to bank on the faithfulness of God based on the revelation that we already have that I'm going to remain true to the promise and trust you through the waiting. This is a formula for strengthening our faith. We tend to look at it as tearing down our faith because he's not answering. No, this is a formula for strengthening our faith, but there's a particular kind of waiting that will cause you to be stronger in the middle of this difficulty of waiting. So, are you waiting and what does that look like? Psalm 27 14, we, we uh, say, says this, we already looked at it, wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. But I want to back up to verse 8 in the same psalm, Psalm 27, verse 8 says this, it already tells us how, how do we do this kind of waiting? My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, will I seek, okay? So there's a next step for us, and I'm going to conclude here. Our next step for us is this, on the screen. Lift your eyes from your problems and look to the Lord and say this, Lord, I will seek your face. Let's add a word to that. Lord, I will seek your face today. Let's add another word to this. Lord, I will seek your face today anyway. Will you say that with me? Lord, I will seek your face today anyway. Why? Because he's been faithful. 
Why? Because he has promised. Why? Because he's never not come through with his promise, never not come through with his predictions, never not come through with his prophecies. He's going to come through. Lord, I will seek your face today anyway. That's our next step. Now, do you know what will happen when you take this step? You may not immediately see God's final answer for you, but you will experience God doing something in you. Let me say that again. You may not immediately see God's final answer for you, but you will experience God's doing something in you, and I think you'll experience it in the very today in which you obey that next step. When you seek his face today anyway, you're going to experience something shifting inside, bringing you more strength, bringing you more hope because you're focusing on the Lord's face, the hope of our glory, and he is affecting us and through us and will carry us and will make all the difference. I'm glad you came today. We have some more waiting to do. Next week, we get to celebrate what we are already focusing on that has happened. We get to celebrate that together. Christmas celebrated. I want to encourage you to be here next week. Now, reminder, if something I said today has triggered an interest for more and you're new, walk across the hallway right afterwards. Maybe if you need prayer first, get prayer, then walk across the hallway right afterwards to go to start here, okay? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for teaching us so much from history, the story of reality, how you have worked throughout history over and over and over again with a pattern that we can see, we can learn from, we can observe, and we can grow. We look to you today. Look to your face. We want to develop a habit of doing that every day, trusting your faithfulness, even when we can't see the answer. We don't know what's coming. We can't even know how to ask. We don't even know how to imagine it, but you have more than we can ask or imagine right before us. We just look to your face. Bring your glory. Bring your glory over us, through us, and in us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for being here. Prayer team is right there to the left of the stage if you need prayer for anything.